Okay, as I said in the past, I'm a soft-spoken little rascal, so you all better turn your hearing aids up so we can hear each other. Gary called me yesterday afternoon. He needed some flexibility because of Debbie's mother. So you need to be holding her up and that whole family in prayer right now. Uh, so, as usual, I reached in my back pocket and pulled out a back pocket sermon. Leafed through a couple of them. This one stood out. But then I felt led to alter it somewhat. For a while, you're probably going to wonder, where am I going with this? Bear with me. We'll both finish at the same time, and you may be still confused, but at least we'll finish together. Okay? I'm going to bring up a subject that a portion of the audience may have no idea what I'm talking about. How many remember the Kodak Instamatic camera? Okay, quite a few. The older generation, the younger generation. Have Everybody has digital cameras now. Back in those days, it was film. You put the film in the camera, you took a picture, you advanced the film, took another picture, you advanced the film, and when it finally was full, you wound it out, took it to a Photoshop, they processed it, and a lot of people didn't realize that when they paid, they actually got two sets of pictures. They thought they were getting just one set of pictures. But they got the pictures that we call positives. If I took a picture of Fred, I look and yeah, that's Fred. Yeah, that's Fred. But on the other side, we also got pictures and negatives. Those negatives were just as accurate representation of the object as the positive. So you get two sets of pictures, negatives and positives. Okay, I'm using that to lead into the next thing that you're probably wondering why I'm discussing it. On Wednesday night, the Baptist men here are discussing Revelation. And some people came up and said, what, what, what's Revelation doing in the Bible? We hear people call the Bible a love letter from God. But when you get into Revelation at the end, what do you have? Wrath on top of wrath. People being diseased, being killed, being monstered, eaten alive. Terrible, terrible things. What is Revelation doing in the Bible? Well, God is a perfect God. Being perfect means he's balanced. God is love, but God is wrath. How much does God love us? We have a handle on it somewhat with some of the scriptures and some of the things. 
we sort of feel what God's love is. By putting revelation in the Bible, we see how terrible, terrible God's wrath is. As bad as his wrath is, God's love is just as great. They're mirror image of each other. Negative, positive. They're the same image of the same God. God's wrath is a negative image of God's love. Now what separates it for us? What separates God's love from God's wrath for us? A very, very thin line. That line is obedience. Okay? Obedience. If we're obeying God, we get to see the love of God. If we're not obeying God, we start seeing his wrath. And the one thing, the only way to get above that line and stay there is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you reject Jesus, that's total disobeying. You're going to see nothing but God's wrath come the final day. So, first thing, you've got to accept Christ as your Savior to get into God's love. And while you're there, you've got to confess your sins to stay obedient. You sin and hold those sins, you start slipping behind the line. Okay? That's an introduction. That's for you all to get through squirming and getting comfortable, getting ready for your midwinter's nap, and then we'll get into the sermon. Today's sermon is comes out of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. Now, one of the main commentators that you will look for in looking up these things is John MacArthur. And John MacArthur refers to these verses as the five, five reasons why Christians love. Five reasons why Christians love. We start off 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and any, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So the first reason Christians love is that we're in God. God is love. It comes from all love comes from God. And you say, well, I'm, I know some heathen parents that have children and they love their children. That's God relating to them. There are some parents in this country who have children 
and they hate, despise, and torture those children. So the love is not just because you're a parent, something that you gave birth to. Love comes from God. God is love. And because we abide in God, we love others. The love flows through us. We are to be vessels of God's love. We do not love people because of us. We love because God's love flows through us. When we look at verses 9 through 11, By this we love, by this the love of God was manifest in us. God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we may live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So the second reason that Christians love is because of the sacrifice God has made for us. And because of that sacrifice, we don't love, but God loved us. And therefore, we should love further. It should come out of us again. Again, God gave his only begotten son. And if we reject Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're rejecting that sacrificial love. We're rejecting what God has done to get us into eternity with him. Now, some people have asked, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? How can a loving God send anybody to hell? When the correct question is, how can a righteous God let anybody into heaven? We're all sinners. How can a righteous God allow any of us sinners into heaven. He loved us so much. He gave us a way of getting past our sins. Jesus dying on the cross suffered the penalty of our sins. And because of that, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we can come into fellowship with God for eternity. That puts us over the line. We cannot lose that salvation. We may end up having sin in our lives that put us on the wrong side of that obedience line. But that doesn't take away our salvation. That takes away our relationship with God. Now, we have this sacrificial love. And be, 
because God has sacrificed for us. That should allow us, the, what does it say there? We ought to love one another. Now this sometimes comes into a little difficulties because of our human nature. We had a Sunday school teacher back in West Virginia. When I first knew him, he would say, God loves that person, but he's a jerk. Later, he would say, as years went by, God loves him, but he has jerkish tendencies. Finally, before we left, I heard him say, God loves him, and I'm trying. Sometimes it's difficult for us to love. God calls on us to love everyone, whether we like them or not. He doesn't say we have to like them, does he? But we're to love them. He sacrificed for us. For that reason, Christians should love. Verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. Let's put that into common English. Clearly it states throughout the Bible to see God's face is to die because we're so sinful. So nobody really has seen God. When Jesus was here, he, because he was God, but he was all man, they could look upon him and they could see a great representation of God the Father. Jesus is back up in heaven. Why should we love? We are the testimony of God. I know you've heard it many times. You may be the only Bible somebody reads. They see you. They see how you live. They see how you act. See how you relate to people. And they relate that, because they know you're a Christian, they relate that to how a Christian lives. Therefore, they relate that to who God is. Your testimony, the way you live, the way you love, shows people a glimpse of God. People have not seen God, but they see you. They see you at work. They see you at play. They see you in church. They see you out there in the deer stand. How you act, how the love of God flows through you, shows people what God is like. Your testimony is a reason why Christians should love. Verse 13 through 16. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. 
We have seen and testified that God has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God and God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know that and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Again, trying to take that and put it in plain English. What? When you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You know that he's there because his spirit fellowships with your spirit when you've accepted Christ. And because when you abide in him, he abides in you. He guides you. The love you have for him. When you confess Jesus is the son of God and you abide in God, they call that the fourth reason and what they mean is this is where we know where we're going. Because we know beyond a doubt that we're going to heaven God abides in us, we're going to heaven with God, and we can share God's love with those around us. Love flows through us because we know we are with God. His spirit lives in us. We and God are together, abiding in each other. And God is love, therefore his love will love others. So that's the reason why Christians love him, because we know, we have the assurance where we spend an eternity and we can love. Seventeen through twenty. By this love is perfected with us, so that we have many confidence in the day of judgment, because he is also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen. Because we know we're saved, we have no fear of the future. Come what may, God is going to be there with us. There may be difficulties, but it would have been a whole lot worse without God being It reminds me, there was back in the, the Wild West days, there was an area that the bad guys lived and the law couldn't get to them. So they'd hire, the merchants and stuff would hire 
some horn to go kill the bear. Though he was a murderer, he killed the bear. But the political situations changed. They wanted no connection, so the best thing to do was get rid of Tom Horn. They set him up, false charge. He was about to be hanged. And as the hangman put the noose around his neck and apologized because he knew it was a trump charge, Tom Horn looked at him and said, Don't worry, you can't hurt a Christian. You can't hurt a Christian. What's going to happen? Lord brought that up in time. He's going to beheaded because he knew he was a Christian. Yes, he was a murderer, but he was a Christian and he relied on God. So what can you do when they kill you? They send you to heaven. You leave this grassy old world, you go to heaven. So what can they do to you? How can they hurt you? By sending you to heaven. We have no fear because we're God's and he will lead us home. And because there's no fear, we are free to love. We're free to love those that we don't even know. Because God is with us. God will protect us. in an earlier verse it said Jesus is our propitiation what that means if you translate that word it means mercy seat on the old holy of holies there was the mercy seat and once a year the head priest would go in with the sacrifice and spread blood mercy seat for forgiveness of sins for the people Jesus is our mercy seat the blood his blood went on the mercy seat for our salvation our forgiveness of sins because we have been forgiven because we are part of God's family we are free going to change things here just a little bit. Verse 21 says this command we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. That command it says there you'll find in John 13 34 when Jesus said to his disciples new command I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? He died on the cross taking our sins. That's how we're to love our Christian brothers and sisters. Now, I'm going to take that and present something to you tonight. 
you feel free to love anyone. Think of the everyday household issues and everything. Are you free to love? In other words, are you above the obedience line to where you can love everybody no matter what happens, no matter what anybody says to you, can you love them? You see, we're sinners. And when sin comes in our <coughs> excuse me, when sin comes in our life, we go below that line. We'll be in disobedience. Therefore, God loves with lowest feeling. Now, some of you are going to say, hey, I'm not, not no big deal. You're thinking of the high price sin. Now, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't walked out of jail, so I'm okay. Now, let me, think, let me get you to think about things here. If you're sitting there sun's shining and I'm not finding fault with anybody's husbandry but you see little dust particles floating in the air okay little dust particles folks in our lives we have those little sin particles floating in our lives little things say the word sins for God says the word sin singular the Catholics have different classifications of good God has no classification that little sin particle that you let in your life that's just as important that sidetracks you from God as much as one of the high price sins. And if you get enough of those sin particles in your life, it causes you such love can't reach you. So what I'm asking you to do today, as we have our invitation, what I'm wanting you to think about, where do you stand? Where do you stand? How freely does the love flow through you? And why does it flow through the church? What is it in your life you need to confess to Jesus? You need to go to God with tonight. Now, there's an altar here for people to pray for. A lot of people don't. They say, I can do this in the pew. That's fine. You can clear it with God in the pew. No problem. Other people say, well, don't worry about it. I can handle this on my own. No, you can't. No, you can't. Only God can handle sin. And if there's sin in your life, even the little bitty sin particle, is keeping you away from God, putting you on the wrong side of that obedience line to where God's love flows through you. If 
you are right with God if every day you get up and you pray and ask for forgiveness and you cleanse your life. And every night as you go to bed, you cleanse your life and talk to God and try to clear those. You will be leading the most joyous life you can imagine because you'll be experiencing God's love flowing through you. And you'll be able to love others and you'll be able to get along with others and your life will be so much happier. Because it all starts with getting rid of that sin out of your life. Whether it's a little bitty sin particle floating in the air that's trying to keep it out. Or whether you've got a high price sin. They're all the same to God. They're disobedience. And that puts you on the negative side of God instead of the positive side. Where God dwells. us in our hymn of invitation I want you to stand for a moment of prayer silent prayer asking God to speak to you then I want each and every one of you to actually do what God wants you to do not what I want you to do speak to God and see what he has to say about this situation